sing. Our praise awaits to wait the dawn. Our souls awake to you and lift a song. We've seen the things that you have done, and still we know the best is yet to come. There's more to come. Open the gates. Open the gates and let your glory come down. Open our hearts and let our worship pour out. Open the gates and let your glory come down. Open our
Father, you've never failed. So we come in here this morning with boldness, with confidence, knowing that you love us, that your grace covers. God, whatever it is that we're walking in with, we're going to make you the priority this morning. Not because of how we feel, but because of what you've done for us. God, we believe in your name and who you are. And so we sing to you because we love you. We sing to you because of what we've seen and for what's to come, God. We love you, Jesus. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one. God Almighty, through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior, I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Judging our defender, suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. Forever seated high. I believe in God. Three in one. 
eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection. before you, God of the universe, who knows when we get up, when we go down, Jesus, we proclaim you as the priority. And just like your word says, we know that the son of God has come and that he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. Jesus, you, you are everything. And just, just the song we, we just sang, we are proclaiming what we believe. Jesus, we believe in you. We believe you rose from the dead. We believe in your resurrection. And now we live with that truth in front of us as we face every single day that we wake up to. So God, we give thanks for today. We give thanks for this place, for these people. And we are just expectant that you're going to do a great work this morning. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Good morning, church. Say hello to those around you. We are so excited that you guys are here. It's a good day to be alive, people. Can we give thanks to God in this house? Come on.
Can we get excited? Come on. Guys, we could not be more humbled to share this space with you and to lift the name of Jesus in this house. And, and I love it. We could take this whole crew outside and sing to Jesus. This building is irrelevant. You guys are the ones lifting up the name of Jesus. And so what I love is that we can gather in here, we can sing, and we can make Jesus the priority. And so our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. That's why we do what we do. And so I'm just humbled. We can sing that. That is powerful. So if you pass the friendship folders at this point, we appreciate that. Let us know you're here. If you're new with us, again, it's, it's a privilege to share this space with you. In front of you is a little red card. You can fill that out. Take it to the Welcome Center. They want to meet you. They want to give you something for free just to say thanks for visiting. And they want to hear your story, more importantly. Because we, got, we believe God is a story in everybody's life. And we know everybody's got hurts and hopes and mess and bests look totally different for everybody. But we know that you are important to God and therefore you're important to us. So please come and check out the Welcome Center and, and let them know you're here. If you have any questions, let them know. I want to share a few things um, as we pass the friendship folders down the aisle. Just let us know you're here and all that. Um, three things real quick. Um, so this is Founders Weekend, so we're privileged to have Pastor John and Joanne with us in the house this morning. Come on, can we lift it? Yep. Yeah, it's it's a privilege. It's been it's been awesome and we're going to see another move of God this service. And so another thing I want to share is on the 17th through the 21st of June, please register your kids for VBS. It's free. It is free. Free free free. You've seen the commercial. My kid says it all the time every time he sees it. But uh, make sure you sign up on our website. And if you have any questions, you can talk to Laura Rensel and the VBS team in the lobby. Um, if you have any questions or concerns during the week, give us a call, email us into the office, and we'll be able to answer those questions for you. But register for free on our website. And then June Jamboree is that 21st, the end of that week for that Friday. So inflatables, concession food. We're going to show a movie when it gets dark outside, and it's going to be a great time with friends and family and community. So grab a couple friends, bring them with you, and just get ready for a good night. It's going to be great. The team, um, Jenny Hoffman and her team are doing a phenomenal job setting that up. And so we're uh, praying that God's going to do a great thing that week. Um, And we're excited to party that whole week and then have a big party on Friday. So make sure you check us out. And then uh, make sure you check us out next weekend for Man Day, breakfast sandwiches, classic cars. You can't beat that. Food, cars, great people, more importantly, Jesus. So it's going to be a great time next week, and make sure you come back next weekend for Man Day. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive this morning's offering. Again, I mentioned before, our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. All things that we do fall under that banner. The songs we sing, why we do greeting. Some of you introverts don't understand that even if I explain it, but it's okay. We, all things that we do, we do that under the mission to see lives changed by Jesus Christ. And because that mission exists today is because of men like Pastor John and Joanne and leaders like them who have set the precedent here in Finleyville and this city to see lives changed by Jesus. So we stand on shoulders and we're going to continue to do that this morning and as far as long as we draw breath on this earth. Let's go before the Lord as we pray. Jesus, we love you. And again, we've said it, but we're going to continue to say it. Jesus, you are the priority. You're why we gather. You're why we wake up. You're why even when we don't feel it, when our life circumstances don't show anything important to us humanly, God, that we can still raise you up. And I'm so thankful, God, that we can gather in this building as your church to lift you up. To, to hurt, to hope, to heal. God, would you move in a way that only you can? 
And will we walk away forever changed by Jesus? Thank you for kicking down the walls of our hearts. Thank you for reaching into our lives when we thought there was no way forward and you gave us a way. And now we say to our mountains, hey, mountain, have you seen my God? We believe you're gonna move as you are, you have moved. Thank you for loving us. And it's all things in Jesus' name, amen. Right, aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's thank our great God. What a great day it's been so far. What, what, what a powerful time of worship, amen? Man, I'm just thinking about those songs already. How, what we believe and we thank God for all that he is. Uh, this morning, this is Founders Weekend. I want to remind you that this church is founded on Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And the church said, amen, right? Thank God for that. Let's thank our great God for who he is, first of all, this morning. We're so thankful for all that he's done. And then this morning, I also want to continue because uh, not only are we built on Jesus Christ, but there have been many that have gone before us that have laid a foundation in our church. And I am so thankful because my life has benefited from this. Uh, my life has, uh, I can look back and I see that uh, the many people that have served, one of them that was serving just went on to be with the Lord, uh, Teddy Wilderman. He, he, I always said he was in charge of the 80s row. In the first hour, there's a row, I call it the 80s row. And that's where if you're 80 or older, you can get into that row. And you don't want to get in that row, but that, that, that's what happens. When you get 80, you get into that row, right? And he was the guard of 80 and over row. And uh, about two months ago, he went on to be with the Lord. And we, we thank God for Teddy. We thank God for the many people that have laid such a strong foundation in this church. Uh, today, I'd like to honor one of our, our ladies that are still serving. Uh, that is Diane Mussey. She's been our church secretary since 1978. Folks, can you believe that? That is, that is the same lady, and we're going to give you some flowers here. We have some more flowers for you here, all right? We just keep giving you more and more, all right? Uh, this morning, I, I, that is the same lady up there, 1978, as you're seeing here, 41 years later, still serving the Lord. Can we thank God for that, huh? How about that? Diane has been known as the church secretary. I mean, back in the day, the church secretary was the hub of the wheel around here. Nothing happened. All phone calls went through Diane. Now we have cell phones. She doesn't even know who's talking to us. But before, she knew everything, okay? Uh, she has made the bulletin. She's printed the bulletin up for you. The bulletin that you have this morning, she has done this for years on end. She has the gift of mercy. You call, she cries on the phone with you. Uh, she prays for you. She is an awesome lady, an awesome woman of God, and uh, she has decided that uh, she is going to be retiring, and I told her that means that she's not going to come into the office Monday through Friday, but it means that she is going to continue to be the wonderful masterpiece that God has given this church. Amen? This is a masterpiece of God, really. And, uh, and I have watched her. She has served, you know, she, 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 watched, she walked through the church transition as we transitioned leadership from Pastor John to myself. 
And uh, she, not only did she do that, she has watched the church transition over and over. The church goes through transitions all the time. Uh, that's what happens. A healthy living churches change all the time. And so she has watched the church change from change to change. And, uh, and she has lived to tell about it. And uh, I just am so thankful for people like this who, uh, who have given their life given their heart, given their soul. And uh, I just want to say thank you, Diane. We appreciate your service to this church, your, your service to God. She is, a, she is a true veteran, right, folks? Let's thank God for this woman and her service. Yes. This is, this is Diane and her family in 1978. There she is with her, her husband, Mike, who went on to be with the Lord. And then her daughter, Faith, who is here this morning. I saw Faith earlier. She's in here. Raise your hand, Faith. Where's she at? All right. I can't see, but she's here. All right. Um, Faith, that's Faith and her son, David, who lives in North Carolina. Uh, we are just, I am beyond thankful for people like Diane, for Diane. And uh, she is going to be missed greatly in our office. We, uh, we have another person that has been shadowing her for some time, Crystal Wreckers. And Crystal Wrecker is, uh, is, is doing a fantastic job. And Diane promised she wouldn't do sudden death. If we need anything, we can still call her. So, but, you know, that's what happens when you have the gift of mercy. If, if you don't have the gift of mercy, it's high and dry. But she has the gift of mercy. So, Diane, I'll let you say a few words here. Thanks. Um, I just want you to know that it has truly been a gift of God uh, in my life to have had the opportunity to serve him and to serve you his people here in this church over the years. The word of God is reverenced in this place and it's lived out every day in the lives of the staff. And that has had a profound impact on my life over the years and my family. And so I just want to say thank God. Thank you, God. And thank you all. Amen. We thank you, Diane. We love you. We love you. God bless. And, uh, and then this morning, we went to invite Pastor John Arnold. Pastor Arnold, as many of you know, was the pastor here for 47 years. Can you imagine doing anything for 47 years, yet alone the pastor of this church, right? And uh, he is my, one of my spiritual heroes. Uh, he is a major player in my life spiritually. I remember as a young boy coming to this church, and uh, I just always respected him honored him and loved him. Uh, there was a point on uh, one, of, one of the times we went on a mission trip, he came back, he gave me his shoes, and uh, I wore them till they fell apart. And, and, and literally, now I'm walking in his shoes. Amen? And uh, I just thank God. Would you welcome Pastor John Arnold to the stage this morning? to give me time to get up the steps. <laughs> well, this is an exciting morning, and some of the old-timers are back, and they're hanging out with each other. And I told Kenny just a minute ago, I don't know about 50% of the people in this church, but I'm excited for what God is doing here. Uh, I want to salute Jim and Debbie Watts. I think you're sitting in the back back there, aren't you, Debbie? 
Yeah, they, uh, they are worthy of our salute today. Deb, we love you. And we're happy for you. Uh, Jim Watts has done more, and his wife sacrificed for this church maybe than anybody. And uh, God's blessed him with a great family, his kids. He's got so many kids, he don't know their names. <laughs> it's, it's prolific, really, it is. <laughs> but we're so thankful for him. And, and we can't say enough about Diane Mussey, huh? Uh, she's kind of like Mary Ann Mickett. You know, my plan was to retire here and be a greeter at the door. Yeah. Mary Ann on this side and me on the other. But I knew it would cause a problem. Because every time I tried to do that before I left, no one came to greet me. They all wanted their morning hug, and, you know, I just didn't get it over on that side. Uh, I was talking to a young couple that left after the first service, and, and um, they came up to me and greeted me, and I said, well, how long have you been coming to the church? And they said, oh, uh, a couple years. I said, well, how did you hear about the church? They said, on the Internet. And uh, I said to them, you know, this is a real church here, and she... And they said, you know, we really believe this is a real church here. She said, when we walked into this church, there was an atmosphere of God in this place. And, you know, that is so precious. And uh, don't take it for granted, okay? Don't take it for granted. Pastor Ken is the man. You have embraced him. God prepared him through all these years. Uh, he was a seven-year-old kid that came in on the bus route. And Rudy and Janet Orwick were here last night all the way from I said, how far did you drive today, Rudy? He said, 68 miles up, up by Farmington somewhere. And he drove the bus to pick up Ken as a seven-year-old kid out of Dormont. Ken came to the church and gave his life to Christ, and he met an important man, uh, Matt Pettigrew. How many people remember Matt Pettigrew? A few, a number of you. Uh, you know, there are stories about people who pray three hours a day, but he was, he was one of those. He prayed actually three hours every morning. And he told Ken, when Ken was a young kid, he said, I'm going to pray for you every day. And he did. And he prayed him right into the pulpit of this church. That's what he did. Um, Ken was a young kid. He grew up in Dormont. Uh, he, had, he didn't have a lot of advantages of, of a, a solid family. His mother was just a wonderful person. We love her dearly. Uh, but uh, there were many problems. Ken fell in love with Jesus here at this church. Every time we had a mission trip, we went to Grenada, Trinidad, Haiti. Uh, Ken was there. He earned the money by himself. He didn't have the money. He earned it or somebody gave it to him. He went through the school and he went on to Word of Life Bible Institute in, in New York and graduated and went to Liberty University and came out of there with two master's degrees. And here's this kid that did it all, him and Jesus. Amen. Him and Jesus. And now God is using him in a terrific way to bring people to Christ in this spot. And you're helping him, and I, I thank you for that. Let's open our Bibles today to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse number 21. I hope you take a lot of notes. I met another guy in the parking lot between the service. He said, I got two pages of notes. I mean, uh, grocery list. Because I told people, if you don't want to take notes, you can make a grocery list. Just 
just indulge me, okay? Taking notes, though, is good. It really is. Um, I'd like to speak to you this morning about following Jesus. You know, there's a question I think that all of us ask ourselves on a repeated basis, and that's this question. Uh, What do I do? How do I live my life day by day for Christ? How do I live the life that Jesus wants me to live? Well, 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is one of those inner circle persons, you know, Peter, James, and John. And he gives us some insight, and uh, this is it. And you're looking at it, uh, I think we have it up here, or we're going to get it. There it is. Uh, Let's read it. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Peter said, Christ gave us an example, and you should follow in his steps. I discovered there are at least 58 verses in the New Testament that refer to following Jesus. Um, Jesus' first recorded words to his disciples when he called them into the ministry are these in Matthew 4.19. Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. The next verse says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Uh, The crowds followed him and boy did they. It was really hard for him to get away from them. They stuck to Jesus like glue. People close to him promised to follow him wherever he went and whatever price they had to pay. There was this man a long time ago. His name was Charles Sheldon. He published a book way back in 1896. It was entitled In His Steps. It has sold over 50 million books. The subtitle of that book is What Would Jesus Do? Now, we're familiar with that phrase, aren't we? Charles Sheldon didn't create it. It's been used by Christians, actually, for centuries. Charles Spurgeon, the famous English preacher, used it in one of his sermons in 1891, and he dated it back to Thomas Akempis in the 1400s. After Sheldon's book came out and it was published, it became tremendously popular. And then again in the 1990s, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Every now and then we'll see that WWJD. What would Jesus do? I'd like to take you this morning on a whirlwind tour through the book of John as we follow Jesus. Let's see what he says and what he does. The Gospel of John answers one of the most important questions of life. What is it? Well, it's who is Jesus really? Not what people think Jesus is, but who is he really? People have all sorts of ideas about who Jesus is. They say, he's a terrific teacher, or he's one of the prophets like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, John the Baptist. Uh, He's one of the prophets. Uh, But you know, it's really not important what people think about who Jesus is. The important thing is who Jesus said he is. And the other important eyewitnesses. What is their testimony? Well, let's first of all today consider the claims of Jesus in the book of John. We're going to stay right now in the book of John, and we're going to open our Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 1, okay? Now, if you were to go somewhere and buy a chronological Bible laid out chronologically, you would discover that John 1, 1 is the first verse before Genesis 1-1 in the Bible. Because it speaks of a beginning that is before the beginning of creation. 
it's before the beginning, before all time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John the Apostle, another one of the inner circle people, uh, he said, first of all, let me take you way back into the everlasting realm. Jesus was the Word in the past. And you know, that correlates with exactly what Jesus said about himself in Revelation 1.8. He said, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who is, who was, and is to come. And that kind of includes everything, doesn't it? Is, was, and is to come. You know, the person we call Jesus has many names and titles. Actually, there are hundreds of them in the Bible. One of them is the Word. Jesus' title is the Word. Uh, Jesus is God's word to the world. When Jesus opens his mouth, God is speaking. And so uh, John says, listen, Jesus is God. He's God. He's one of the members of the Trinity. That next, this morning, let's hear from John the Baptist. I like this guy. I really do. John chapter 1, verse 29 and 36. John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why did he refer to Jesus as the Lamb of God? Well, he was connecting Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. Uh, he was afflicted and, and oppressed. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Uh, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, uh, but yet he opened not his mouth. He said, that's my testimony. He said further in verse 34, my testimony is that Jesus is the Son of God. That means that he's equal in nature with God. The third testimony comes in the book of John from the Samaritans. Now, when you hear the, the word Samaritans, I think it's a little hard to put your finger on what exactly is that. It was a group of people that lived between Judea and Galilee. And uh, they didn't like uh, the Jews below in Judea, and the Jews didn't like them above in Samaria. But if you were taking a trip from Judea to Galilee, there might have been a sign at the border that said, off limits. They might have said, no entrance. They didn't have any interaction uh, because they were different people. Uh, but Jesus broke the barrier in John chapter 4. Verse 42, Jesus broke the barrier. And he said, I must needs go through Samaria. And I'm sure that when he made that statement, his disciples were a little bit traumatized and thought to themselves, oh, no, we don't do that. We don't go up there. They don't come down here. We don't go up there. But, you know, Jesus is good at breaking down barriers. You know, that's, his, that's what his job. Uh, he was good at breaking down the race barrier, uh, the gender barrier, uh, just any barrier that was out there, Jesus was going to break it down. And he had an appointment. We call it a divine appointment. It was a woman at the well. Uh, she was an unhappy person. But I'll tell you, when you meet Jesus, everything changes. And he wanted to give her living water that would change her life forever. And uh, he did that. And she went into town and told everybody that what Jesus did for her. And they begged Jesus to stay in their province for, for two more days. And this was the summation of what they believed about Jesus. We know he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Now listen, he is God. He is the Lamb from the Old Testament. 
He is the Messiah, promised from God. He is the Savior of the world. Then Jesus does this in John 5.37. Jesus refers to the Father's testimony. God in heaven spoke. Remember when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist? The heavens opened and the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He said it again in Matthew 17.5. The testimony of God in heaven speaking. And then he said, The Scriptures also testify. The Old Testament Scriptures. I discovered that there are over 400 prophecies, appearances, or foreshadowings of Christ in the Old Testament. And so when you read the Old Testament, this is what's going to happen. You're going to say, that's Jesus right there. That looks like Jesus. That looks like his ministry. That looks like his suffering. That looks like his resurrection. It's all in the Old Testament. And Jesus used that, remember, on the day of resurrection when those two people were going on their way to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. He expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So the scriptures testify who Jesus is. Then Jesus testified about himself in John eight fifty eight. He said, before Abraham was... I am. That's one of the great names of God in the Bible. I am. Exodus chapter 3 verse 14, God encountered, or Moses encountered God in the burning bush. God called him on a mission and he said, listen, they're going to ask me down there, who sent me? What's what's the name of the God who sent me? And, And God said to Moses, just tell him, I am sent you. He said, okay, I'll do that. I am. Jesus said, I am the I am of the Old Testament. John 10.30, I and the Father are one. His, that means his nature and essence. John 14.7 and 9, if you've known me, you would have known the Father also. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father also. Well, the seventh claim in John uh, for us this morning is found in John 5.36. Jesus said, my works are a better witness than John the Baptist." My works the Father has given me to do. And what he meant by that is the miracles. Now, if you have a Bible and you like to turn, turn to John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Because this is the purpose of the book of John, right here. And truly, Jesus did many other signs or miracles in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Remember, I told you he did thousands of miracles, thousands A lot of them aren't in here. That which is not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. John sat down, and I guess we could say he created a strategy to bring people to Christ. And so that's why we pass out the Gospel of John everywhere. Listen, the first Bible that people want to read we want them to read is the gospel of John because that gospel is designed to take them to Christ to show them who he is and for them to trust in him and have eternal life and so that's what we're going to do we're going to follow his steps now and see his seven miracles in the gospel of John the first one is in John 2:11 the at Cana of Galilee he was invited to a wedding Does he turn down the invitation? No. 
Here is Jesus performing his first miracle in the context of marriage. He puts his stamp of blessing and approval on marriage. You know, it's really important to invite Jesus to weddings, isn't it? And then further on in the marriage, till death do us part. The joy of a wedding day often quickly fades, doesn't it, into reality, the daily struggle of life. Uh, And it underscores the fact that marriage takes three. Marriage was designed to take three. Husband, the wife, and Jesus. Jesus is celebrating happy times at the wedding. It's easy to follow him there. We like that environment. But the next stop in the book of John is Jesus steps into the brokenness and fears of the world. There's a man who comes to him. His son is dying. Uh, He is frantic. Uh, We just faced something like this in Dallas, Texas. Uh, A friend of our son contracted bacterial pneumonia. And he lingered between death and life on a respirator for a long time. It was terrifying. Everything, when something like that happens to your family, everything is inconsequential. Uh, This man whose son was dying in the Bible was an important person. You know, I've discovered in my ministry uh, that it doesn't matter what status we hold in life. Everybody has the same problems. Everybody has the same problems. You can go downtown Pittsburgh, push the button in the tallest building, go up to the top, walk down the hall to the firm, and uh, look in the offices, and then look for the corner office, the person that everybody reports to, sit down across that person, whether male or female, and uh, talk to them about the problems, and you'll walk out of there and say, they have the same problems I got. Their kids are broken. One of their grandchildren has autism. They have the same problems you have. Everybody has the same problems. This man was an important man. Well, I really believe that pain is the opening, the incision through which Christ enters into our life. Uh, This man thought that if he could just get Jesus to come to his house, that his son could be saved. But he learned an important lesson. It's found in Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed him. Jesus just spoke the word. Jesus is a long-distance healer, by the way. We don't have to go to a certain place for his touch. All he has to do is speak the word. And this particular miracle was a double miracle. His son was saved, and the whole family was spiritually saved. The next stop, John 5, is the Pool of Bethesda. That's a place you don't want to go by. That's a place that everybody looks the other way because it was filled with people with broken bodies, people who were physically hopeless cases. There was a paralyzed man there. The Bible says he was paralyzed for 38 years. Uh, Everybody would pass by. This is a heartbreaker. Um, Jesus spied this person and asked him a question. Do you want to be made well? And the the answer he gave was, I think, kind of heart-wrenching, really. He said, I don't have anybody to put me in when the water moves. There was this superstition back in that time that an angel would come and would get in that water and stir the water up, and the first person who would jump in after the water was being stirred up would be healed. And they all believed that. 
And so this man was never able to get in the water. Nobody would help him. Everybody jumped in front of him. And he said, he said, I don't have anybody. I have no one. Well, Jesus, as you know, is the champion of those who have no one. Remember that. And you may be sitting here today, and you might be saying, that's me. Uh, Ruth Graham, the daughter of Billy Graham, wrote a book entitled, In Every Pew Sits a Broken Heart. I believe that. And you're here today, and you're saying, yeah, that's me. Maybe it's an addiction, an attitude, a broken relationship, a habit, anger. Maybe it's something you've dealt with for a long time. Now, this is good news. Jesus is more accessible today than he was back in that day. And he told that man, just get up. Rise up. I think those are words of Christ for all time. For every broken situation, these are words for you and for me today. Maybe you've heard those words and you've misunderstood. And now your favorite mantra is, I can't do this, I've tried so many times. Well, let me leave you with this today. The commands of Christ are his enablings. If Jesus asks you to do it, he will give you the power to do it. If he asks you to rise up, he will give you a hand to raise you up. He never asks you to do anything you couldn't do. With his power, that is. And so a lot of times I think people say, okay, I think I can do that. Maybe Jesus will help me a little bit. And they jump out and they try to do it by themselves. You have to abandon yourself by faith to the command of the Lord and step out by faith and take that first step. And it's scary. And after you take that first step, then you can realize, well, maybe I should take another step. And you take that and you say, oh, Jesus still has my hand. He's holding my hand. And God will lead you every step of the way. The fourth miracle is in John chapter 6. The feeding of the 5,000, that's one of the greatest miracles that Jesus performed. Can you imagine? On that day, Jesus had been feeding people, though, for a long time. Remember, he fed uh, the nation of Israel in the wilderness manna every day for them. Uh, And he told you and me to pray every day for our daily bread. So he's in the bread business, really. On this occasion, Jesus provides food, and his disciples distribute it. And that's a principle. God is our provider, but we are his disciples, and we are his distributors. And God gives you what you have so that you can give it to somebody else. That's the plan of God. Jesus didn't run around and say, okay, you take this from me, and you take this from me. He he gave it to his disciples, and he said, now you go do the work. And you spread the food. Now, the food that we are to spread is the word of God. That's the food. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, this was a terrific time for these people. Can you imagine how big their eyes were when that food kept lasting? All these people were getting food from the disciples. They said, let's make Jesus our king. They wanted to crown him king right there. But he ran off, so to speak, to the mountains. It wasn't his time to be king. One of these days, he's coming again as king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? He's coming. But not then. He came then for the most important mission on the planet. And that was to die in your place. My place. To stand between you and me and the judgment of Almighty God upon us for our sins. 
and take upon his body the weight, the debt that we owe to God, pushed us out of the way of a freight train coming down the track, ready to wipe us out. And Jesus said, stop, I'll take the hit. And when he died on the cross, he died for you and for me. Last night in our Saturday night service, uh, one of our ladies was here and on a Good Friday service, she accepted Christ as her Savior 19 years ago. She came to a musical program and sat right in the front. A friend invited her. She was going through some cancer problems. She said, my hair was all gone. I had a hat on. And um, she gave her life to Christ. She's been a greeter in the Saturday night service for 19 years. He changed her life. Uh, that's why Jesus came. Uh, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we didn't, we, we didn't have to pay. And to give us power over sin, to be able to say no. And you know that's one of the greatest powers in all the world, in our world, because the world's always trying to get us to go in the wrong direction, right? And you know when you have Christ, you can say, no thanks. I don't do that. I don't go there. I don't participate in that. Uh, I have something better than I have Christ. And so his disciples were sent across the Sea of Galilee, and in the middle of the little, I call it a lake, uh, a, a tumultuous wind blew up, and they thought they were going to drown but uh, they didn't know that Jesus was up on the mountain watching them and praying for them. Now, this is really interesting. Mark chapter 6 tells that part of the story. Jesus was watching and praying for his disciples. He knew they were out in the, on the sea in trouble. First uh, Peter chapter 3 verse 12 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. What were they doing out there in the Sea of Galilee? They were crying out to God. He said, listen, I hear you and I see you. And so these two miracles in chapter 6 are so descriptive of how things in our life can go so fast from so good to so bad. One day on the mountaintop and the next day in the deepest valley. These two miracles we learn he blesses us with things we need and he comes to us in terrifying times of life. Life is a little terrifying, isn't it? Will you agree with me today on that? It's, it's absolutely terrifying. And you know, we put on a big face and we smile and that's good. <laughs> I think we better do that. But out deep in our heart, we're crying out, God, I'm terrified. These people in that boat that night, they were terrified. But Jesus comes to their aid. The next miracle in John is the healing of a blind man from birth. John chapter 9. Uh, he wasn't expecting that day to get his sight, but Jesus opened his eyes. You know, there's a blindness that's worse than physical blindness. It's spiritual blindness. Uh, a lot of people have it. I think everybody has it until they are saved. Spiritual blindness. Uh, they go to churches, they walk out the same way they came in, and nothing ever changes in their life. And they, and they finally give up on religion, and that's a good thing, isn't it? Because religion can't take anybody to heaven. It's only a relationship with Christ. And then they realize that, that God doesn't have a point system. Because I think most people in the world uh, say that, think that God has a point system. You know, I put all my good points over here and all my bad points. And this whole thing will probably weigh out in my favor. Maybe. Hopefully. 
But you know, there is no such thing with God as far as a point system is concerned. Uh, there is only one thing that saves a person, and that's them coming to Christ with empty hands, bringing their sin to him in repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. I've had people say, well, you know, I'm going to come to Christ one of these days, and I know I need him in my life to change my life, but I've got to clean up my life a little bit before I come. And I always say, listen, please don't do that. That'll probably never happen. You need Christ. You need to bring the broken pieces of your life and lay them at the foot of the cross and say, my life is so messed up, God. I have so many things that I can't figure out. Just lay them there and let God put those pieces together and heal you. That's what salvation is. That's what salvation is all about. Well, let's go on. This man uh, was healed. And then the seventh and the most climactic of all the miracles is the raising of Lazarus. You know, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. That's the thing that propelled the world against Christ and Lazarus with a fury to crucify Christ on the cross. Look, at not only did he raise Lazarus from the dead, uh, these people are following him and Lazarus both. You know, I'm convinced that Jesus hates death. You know, I hate it. I hate death. You hate death. When we go to a funeral, we see people and they're brokenhearted. They're, they're crushed. There's just no way to describe it. And that was the instance that we have the shortest verse in the New Testament. Jesus what? Wept. He saw people crying. You know, when you go to a funeral and you see people draped over the coffin crying, a little kid walking up to the, you can't stand there. You have to cry with them, right? That's what Jesus did. He cried. But he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. I just want you to keep this in mind. Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> Somebody said one time, it's a good thing that he called Lazarus by name, but if he did not, everybody would have come forth in the grave. So he clarified it, made sure that only one jumped out of the grave at that time. You know, my challenge to you today is this. Someone at the wedding needs you. Be social. Be the person who adds to their joy and meets their needs. Let's make ourselves accessible. Don't hide away from people. I know we don't fit in, but don't let that stop you. We seek comfort so many times we don't feel comfortable. It gives us an excuse not to socialize. We need to get past our uncomfortableness and keep before us that we are fishers of men. Let's say that together. We are fishers of men. One more time. We are fishers of men. That's our business. That's what we do. Now, you can't go to a fisherman and say, are you comfortable? I remember we used to always take our family to Outer Banks. I love that place, OBX. Do you like it? Raise your hand if you like it. A lot of likes here. Uh, and uh, my boy Danny fell in love with fishing. You mention fish to him, he loses his mind. It's not normal. It, it, it is not normal. I mean, he will drop everything to go fishing. And uh, we would go down there, and they had those piers, and he loved to get on the pier. And about 9 o'clock at night, I would ask Joanne, hey, where's Danny? Oh, he's still on the pier. He said he's staying the night. And they have all these old fishermen out there. They are so dirty. 
And Danny's having the time of his life. And he comes home in the morning. He looks like he's been beat up. He is so happy. But you know, you can't. Uh, uh, fishing is not comfortable. I, I think uh, there was something bigger on the mind of a fisherman, and that was the fish. And we're fishermen. And so, listen, you don't have to be comfortable when you serve God. That's what I'm trying to say. We just get out there and you say, hey, this feels a little out of my comfort zone. It's okay. Jesus is with you. Now, let's go to Bethesda, okay? And we're, and we're, almost, we're almost to the end. Let's go to Bethesda. Let's take the blinders off. The people who need us most, where are they? I, they're all over the place, really. Uh, they're in the nursing home for sure. People have given up in there. Uh, People have lost hope. There's no one there to visit them. All they can think about is their broken body and how no one cares. Maybe the family doesn't come. Maybe they live far away and can't come, but maybe they live right close and they just won't come. For the last four years of my mother's life, she was in McMurray Hills Manor Nursing Home. I, re- I tried my best to keep her at home. I couldn't do it physically. I I. I did everything I could do. And you know, I don't give up quick. Uh, but I raised my hand. And I said, God, you've got to take care of my mother. So he led us to McMurray Hills Manor Nursing Home. And uh, I am here to tell you today that I had the best four years of my life with my mother in that nursing home. I visited her almost every day. I look forward. It, it was not a chore we were lovers. We were lovers. We were in love. Uh, I try to make her laugh every day. It wasn't too hard. I acted a little cra- crazy for her. Uh, the only time I remember she got upset with me is one day when I forgot the Hershey bars. That I had crossed the line. You know, that was, that was too bad. And I remember when she first went in there, she said, Johnny, I'm going to escape from this place. This is true. I'm telling you the truth. She had resources, that lady. She was 95 when she went in. She said, I'm going to escape. She had a plan. I I can't tell you because it's too long, but one day next year, I'll tell you. She had a plan. And so every time thereafter, I would say before I left, Mom, don't escape tonight, okay, please. I don't want to see you on TV. Don't escape. We had the best time. We loved each other. I got her in that wheelchair. I took her out. I walked her when she didn't want to get up. I, I gave the Christmas gifts to the aides. I respected them. I thanked them profusely for their work. I knew their name. And you know what my mother said? Johnny, they like me here. But you know, there are a lot of people that didn't have a son or daughter and sat in those lonely rooms. Listen, I think I think Jesus would would go there, don't you think? Jesus would go there. And you know how Jesus goes there today? You know where I'm going, don't you? He goes there through you. Why don't you go to the nursing home and talk to the people to death and say Who is it in here that nobody visits? I just want to go into their room and I want to meet them and sit down with them 
Maybe they can't communicate too good, but maybe I could read a little bit of the Bible for them, or I could just talk to them about my life or their life, and just give them a break from the monotony of that all. Well, what would Jesus do? I just showed you what he would do in the book of John. Jesus worked through you and me today. Let's vow today to stop living for ourselves. Get up off the couch, stop feeling sorry for ourselves, and... uh, We have all these good intentions wrapped up in our soul, don't we? Let's take the top off of these good intentions in our life, these things we want to do, we should do, maybe one day we will do. Hey, let's do something, okay? Let's ask God, Lord, these good intentions, let's just let me get out there and follow you as I see you in the book of John going into the tough spaces of life. Let's bow our heads in prayer this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, Jesus' final words to them in John chapter 20, verse 21, was, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's for you and me today. In his steps, we know what he would do. Take a minute just to look down in the recesses of your heart. What would Jesus have you do today about following him in his steps? What would I do? Can I put my foot in his footsteps and can I socialize? I'm not a social person, but Jesus will help me. Could I go to a place where people have no hope? Maybe it's a rescue mission. Broken souls. Could I just sit with them, Lord? Tell them how much you love them. Dear Lord, move in our heart today. Help us, Lord, to follow you step by step. Lord, what could be done by the people in our church that would take this challenge seriously and walk in your steps? We pray that you'll move in our heart to that effect. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. And if you'd like to come today and just have a little time of prayer with the Lord right here at the front at the altar, you feel free to do that right now, okay? Just step out. If you feel led, come and pray about something maybe God's laying on your heart. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three. Then we will rise again For I believe in the name of Jesus I believe in you I believe you rose again I believe Jesus
Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the Aren't you thankful to be here today? Let's thank our God again. What a great God. We're thankful for Pastor John. Can we, uh, can we just thank him again? We appreciate all that you've done, Pastor. We, we appreciate, you know, I'm going to ask you to head on back there because I know everybody's wanting to greet you and you've just got to beat the crowd out. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, no greeting on the way, no greeting on the way, okay? But uh, I just, I just want to thank God. You know, here's a man 51 years ago in October came and pastored the church when it was over there in library. And uh, 1973, they relocated. And 51 years later, he still got it, doesn't he? And he's still passionate to bring people to Jesus. And that's what I want to be when I grow up, still passionate about Jesus. Um, at an older age. So uh, I, I just want to say thank you all for being here today. Uh, in the gymnasium, please stay. We have a great lunch. It's V&V, our local restaurant here. V&V lunch in the gymnasium. Please, everybody, stay. It's a great time to greet each other, meet each other, and greet up with Pastor John. Next week, we'll be here for Man Day. And you can't have Man Day without bacon. So there will be bacon, egg, and cheese on the parking lot. And uh, we want you to enjoy that. A little bit of classic cars. God bless you. You are dismissed. We'll see you at lunch.